0: This is an OSV Podcast Network production. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com. This is Like a Mother with Katie McGrady. The podcast that brings you honest conversations about motherhood. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the realities, the joys, the struggles, the pains, the moments where we think, I can't do this, and the moments where we rejoice that we are doing it, and everything in between. I'm your host, Katie McGrady. We are so happy you're here. The other day, Rose came home with a packet explaining the next big project that she had for her kindergarten class. There's going to be a balloon parade for the kindergartners. And so the balloon parade, every kindergartner gets to make their own Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon which is a fancy way of saying mom and dad get to make a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon for their kindergartner. So I sat Rose down and we're reading the instructions and we're looking at some of the examples. And I asked her, okay, what kind of balloon do you want to make, buddy? And she instantly said, Bluey. She wants a Bluey balloon. Well, thank God for the Bluey website and for Disney Junior, who had a very easy, Bluey balloon printout, like truly hit the jackpot. I just had to cut it out and glue it onto the balloon and then figure out a way to put some sort of a straw on the sides so that she could hold the balloon and, and puppet it through the parade. It took probably 30 to 40 minutes from start to finish. And so she and I are sitting at the table and she's helping me cut out the different pieces for Bluey's face. And I'm firing up the hot glue gun. And at one point, my husband came over and he snapped a photo of us sitting at the table working on this little project. And I said, please don't do anything with that picture. And he said, why not? You're being creative. And I just kind of rolled my eyes. I said, I hit print on something I found on Pinterest. There's nothing creative about this. And Rose pipes up from right next to me on the on the little breakfast nook bench. She went, Mom, you are being creative. You have a glue gun. That means you're being creative. I love that that's the standard of creativity. A glue gun. Any other time, I'm not being creative. But when I've got the glue gun, oh, absolutely. That's the marker. That's the standard. This idea of creativity, it it makes me pause for a second. Because I feel like our, our creativity, what we do to be unique, to be original, to create, quite literally, to make things, that help our home, that foster a sense of wonder within our children, that provide for the family that we so dearly love. That creativity, for some women, it, it looks like baking bread. And, and for some women, it's creating podcasts. Uh, for some women, it's setting out and, and doing craft projects with your children. For, for some women, it's, it's making a delicious meal and having people over or making a delicious meal for the kids who might not even want to eat it after you set it out in front of them. That creativity in motherhood, it's a unique and beautiful thing. And it manifests so differently in each one of us. And on the one hand, that's a really, really good thing. I love that the creativity of moms is different in every single home. And on the other hand, it's something worth reflecting on and thinking about and pondering. Because the way I am being creative is different than the way you are being creative. But yet, there is something universal about how we make time and space for that creativity, about what we desire to create and to make, whether that be art or food or or some sort of ministry project or homeschooling our kids in a unique way or volunteering within our parish or our school community or, or within the offices that we spend eight hours a day. And it looks so vastly different inside of each one of us. And I think it's something to foster. It's something to reflect upon. It's something to celebrate. A while ago, I had a guest on my Sirius XM show to share with us a bit of her perspective after the, the awful violence that Asian Americans were experiencing, specifically uh, and some some hate crime events in Georgia. And Sarah Koo joined me on my Series Xm show and she was just excellent in in the way she shared her thoughts, how vulnerable and honest she was about how she talks about tragedy with her kids and then not long after she was on my Series Xm show, Sarah started working on a handful of projects that have since taken off. Uh, an Instagram platform on the Hallo app Creating resources, working within parish and diocesan communities to foster an understanding of the great beauty of diversity within the life of the church. And her creativity flourished. What she was making, what she was creating, how she was serving her children and the church as a whole, responding to a need that she saw. This is what mothers often do, right? Responding to a need that she saw, stepping into the the gap, as it were and creating something to fill that gap. Nobody's done this. Okay, well, I'll be the one that does it. Nobody's had this conversation. Okay, I'll be the one that has this conversation. That was how Sarah responded, allowing her creativity to flourish. And so I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah Koo about representation, about creativity, about filling spaces, about creating things that the church needs and how her motherhood has has been enhanced by that how her motherhood was the impetus for all of that. Sarah, welcome to Like a Mother. It's great to have you. Good to be here. So tell us where you are, what you do and and a little bit about uh your journey. I'm going to say journey into motherhood. I know that's kind of a weird way to put it, but who your kids are and and what what you do with your kids every day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So um, let's see. I'm based in California, Silicon Valley. So Google, Facebook, and Apple are my neighbors. <laughs> and um, I, I'm a mom. For better or worse. Exactly. One of my kids' first word was self-driving car, which is a little odd, I think, in other parts of the country. <laughs> um, yeah, I have five kids. And starting when my second was born, I've been full-time with them. My oldest is 11, and my youngest is two and a half. And yeah, we're kind of in the midst. We have three in elementary school, one in preschool, and one is at home with me all the time and super attached to me right now. So I'm pretty much always holding him (laughs) and loving him. Um, Yes, I'm home with them. But also more recently, I've just um, been doing some writing and I've just had a ton of creative energy, which kind of surprised me because it came when I was pregnant with my fifth. And I was like, wait, this is a weird time to have creative energy, but I should be like even more so buckled down in family life. But um, yeah, I most, a lot of my life is doing the mom thing and in the margins I've been, yeah, doing creative projects. Mm -hmm.
0: Did you, I love how you said it was kind of at the most inopportune time. Yeah. I feel like that's most of motherhood. It's yeah. like, I've got all these mouths to feed, but also I really want to do this thing yeah. over here. That's like really good to go do. Yeah. How how did you, you've got 11 to two is a pretty wide age range. Yeah. Uh, and then this creative energy comes during, I'm I'm going to, I mean, two-year-old, I have a two-year-old, so during COVID, yeah. it was <laughs> so during, during COVID. like yeah. a very inconvenient time <laughs> to have both a baby and creative energy. What did you do? To harness that well,
1: Oh my goodness, well I have to tell you that one of the like rocks of my life, in my spiritual life is personal retreats. So I, I learned this through college. Mm. I was part of a Christian fellowship in college, and then I went on staff with this ministry university um, Christian fellowship. And it was just a thing. It was a value that you took personal prayer retreats, and so my husband and I both carry that with us into our young adulthood and into our lives as married people. Mm-hmm. So, I regularly, well, depending on the how little a baby is, you know, depending on the season, I go away and right. pray. And so I there's a retreat center up in the um, East um, East Bay Hills that I go to, and it was it's there actually that taking a night or two away, I started to notice these creative ideas bubbling up. And at first I'd be like walking Mm -hmm. and praying. I love to walk and pray. And I thought it was distraction. I was like, wait, why am I, why am I thinking about a podcast? Why am I brainstorming guest, guestless? Like I'm supposed to be praying. (laughs) And then I just, I I noticed it would keep coming up as I was praying. And I started to learn that I started to wonder like, oh, is this actually God? Is this the Holy Spirit? And through conversations mm-hmm. with mentors and just through like starting to like bring these ideas to God, I've just um, been on this journey of like, of my spiritual life is very much connected with my creative life. And so, yeah, it was a lot mm-hmm. of times like during my like personal prayer retreats, which I go to every so often, that I would start to have ideas. And I just noticed that giving time to these creative ideas actually gave me life. And energy mm-hmm, as a mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the thing is, is, is I feel like my life is full and crazy, but as a mother, there's, there's so much time where I'm just like walking on along the street while Joey is like on his tricycle. And there's just a lot of time to think mm-hmm. where I'm just like, holding him while he's resting. And so my life is full, but it's also really slow. And it it was this really Mm -hmm. interesting realization that, oh, I have a lot of time to think. And so a lot of times during the day, it's like tick, 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 tick. Like my mind is just like working on an idea and then I'll have like just a small spurt of time. But I like, I've been thinking about it all day long. Mm -hmm. It's the actual time that I have to like focus on this idea. It's like, oh, I actually have had it all formulated and I just like get it out.
0: Yeah. When I think moms are really good at multitasking. So it's I can harness that creative energy in this direction. I got that 20 30 minutes. Now, I'm not going to say for myself, but I've got that 20 30 minutes to get this done. I know how to use that time yeah. efficiently. Oh yeah. because I've had to be efficient in in other areas. It's why I I'm convinced Fortune 500 companies would be even are there fortune 600 companies like i think they'd be more successful if they had moms running the show because moms just know how to how to manage a lot of things i love that these ideas are coming up again like you said at this inconvenient time which seems like it's a lot of motherhood what was it a thought of okay i want to create something for moms i want to create something for asian women i want to create something you know for for anybody how how did you take this idea and start to formulate it into something specific cuz i think a lot of people listening think to themselves, well, I, I have ideas, I have creative energy, or like, I want to I want to do something. Just spend 30 minutes on Instagram and you've got a gazillion businesses that Catholic women are running. <laughs> and they're all so different and unique and successful. So how did you harness it in a very specific way to serve in a way that spoke to you? Mm.
1: So two things. I think one is I had felt this stirring for actually a while, a number of years to use my voice. And that seems like really broad. And I actually didn't know what that was. at the same time, Mm -hmm. I was just intrigued by podcasts. Like I was listening to them and I just thought like, oh, I have people, I have things I want to talk about and I have people I'd love to have conversations with. And so actually I, a big thing was just starting a podcast and that podcast I felt like was a playground for me. I was really just figuring out my voice. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I about? Like, what are the topics that I am interested in? Like, what do I care about? And it was actually that podcast that, really led me to what I'm doing now. So the podcast led me Mm -hmm. to create the space Asian Catholic woman um, on Instagram. It led to all this writing, really focusing on bringing Asian American uh, voice and representation to Catholic media, but really came out of this Mm -hmm. podcast of just, I I had no idea that that's where I would land, but I was just exploring and (laughs) getting like jumping on calls with friends and just having conversations and learning from them. But it was that process of playing and exploring my voice mm-hmm. that really led me to what I'm doing now.
0: Yeah. I, that's such a, um, that's such a hard thing to make time for. Right. Cause like on the one hand it's this, I hope people don't think I'm unserious. Like this is a real thing that I care about. I, I sometimes get that fear of like, I hope people don't think that I'm just doing this because I'm bored. Like, yeah. I think this is an important thing to bring forth. So I want people to know I I care about this, that I'm not just being frivolous with it, that it matters. I think women have, mothers especially, have a hard time giving themselves permission to do it, Mm -hmm. right? Like to take the time to do it. Did you struggle with that? Or is that just me reading into it? It's something I struggle with. So I guess I'm looking for solidarity.
1: Totally. I mean, there's so much like time feels so, can feel so scarce. um, And it also, Mm -hmm. I think for me, I'm a perfectionist too. (laughs) So it's like, like, can I do Mm -hmm. this to the quality that I would want it to be? Um, Yeah. Will this take away from family life? you know like mm-hmm. that's a big barrier too yeah there's so many barriers i mean it took me yeah. a long time to actually launch the podcast because there's so many things mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. were like in the way and fear there's a lot of fear too i think um yeah, yeah fear i think the actually fear around time was a big one will this make me too yeah. tired <laughs> like i i'm already oh, yeah. tired yeah. like can i can i do this and like not been like not be falling over from being too tired
0: yeah yeah but you did it, right? You and, create it 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 gives birth to this this new thing that is doing great and that is serving a lot of women. So tell us about that jump you're you're creating this podcast, you're raising these kids you have a you know this this new baby <laughs> in know. the midst of the world shutting down. Yeah. so like you're all home all the time, and in California, it was a very intense all home all the time. Mm-hmm. And then is there like a moment where you think to yourself, okay, this has to be bigger? Like there's a population that's not being served. There's a community of people whose voices deserve to be heard. I think it it went to the next level when you went beyond the podcast into Asian Catholic Woman. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, I I don't know if there's an exact moment, but I think there was a growing realization that there, there was something missing. And actually, and actually it did start. Mm-hmm. Actually, there was a moment where I was on Instagram and I you know, tent had a lot of Catholic women that I was following, and I thought to myself, like, wait, wait, where's the where's the Asian Catholic mom party? Like, where, where's the party? Because I know mm-hmm. like there's different there's different like like different groups going on, and I could not find Asian American Catholic women to follow and to mm-hmm. connect with. And I was sh- I was shocked. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the moment where I was pregnant with my second, looking for my a baby doll for my oldest, and I was looking at Google, I Amazon searched Asian baby doll. And I couldn't find anything, and this was 2013, mm-hmm. like just 10 years ago, and I was floored <laughs> mm-hmm. and sad. It, it was it was like it was really yeah. sad too. And so, um, yeah, I think there was that moment of realizing, mm. whoa, <laughs> what? what? Like something is missing. <laughs> like I, how is this missing? I I know a lot of Asian American mm-hmm. Catholic women. So a unique thing yeah. about my story is I entered inter, entered the church. Uh, gosh, I think it was 12 years ago. And in my entire time as a Mm -hmm. Catholic has been part of an Asian Catholic community. So home base for us now is a Chinese Catholic community that my father-in-law from Taiwan started 40 years ago. We also spent five years with our Korean Catholic community as well. And um, yeah, so I I think I realized through that too, like, whoa, I have this really, I feel really lucky to have these strong connections Mm -hmm. and whoa, this voice is missing. Like, oh, I'm really passionate about, um, representing Asian culture for my kids through books and th- through my children and for myself. But I think I had this moment too, where I realized that I think the most important place to see yourself is in your church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I had this growing like passion and like, like, I don't know how to describe. It's like, Ooh, like it, it hits you. It hits you deeper when mm-hmm. not seeing yourself, like to not see yourself in your church and like a right, place that right. means so much to you. And so I think like, so there's like pieces along the way and like kind of like convictions along the way that led me to think like, all right, I don't, I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm exploring what it means to be Asian American and Catholic. I'm just going to start this, this account and see what happens. I'm just exploring. See what happens. And, it, and I yeah. still, I still, I still feel much, very much like I'm exploring and just mm-hmm. just sharing along the way.
0: Yeah. That's a great point about representation because you see like there's an effort in secular media to ensure representation. There are conversations about if, if, a, if a movie or a TV show is talking about a particular culture or talking about a particular part of the world, then the people who are from there need to be the ones leading and guiding those conversations. I'm specifically thinking of the show uh, Rutherford Falls. Did you ever watch that no. show? It, it's about um, so it's it's a it's a Native American show. It's about a Native American community who are part of a, a a community, and and kind of the conflict that exists between one side of the community and the other side of the community. But what makes the show great is that the entire writing team is Native American, mm-hmm. and they've been very intentional in like advertising that part about it. It's like this is not just show about them; it's a show from Native Americans, and I love that. I love that we're seeing those efforts being made in secular world. And yet the church sometimes falls short, like not sometimes, a lot of times falls short. And you saw that that gaping hole. I think moms especially are the ones who are like, well, I've got to do something for my kids. I've got to do something about this. Yes, so that totally. in 10 years, when they go choose a confirmation saint, the youth minister is not just rattling off one Asian Catholic saint, right? The, the, the youth minister is not just mentioned. And, and thank God you're in a community that does have that representation at your home. But I think you're creating that for a lot of other people. How have you navigated, and I'm going to say this lovingly, the pressure and the responsibility of being like one of the only ones doing that? Does that ever weigh on you? Do you ask the Lord for help? How do you, how do you navigate? Okay, this is what I'm going to talk about today. This is what I want to make sure people know about in this particular season. How how has that taken place in your life?
1: Mm, Yeah, I definitely feel that. And I rely on my community. So my husband. I often mm-hmm. will run by ideas by him and then I have uh, other close friends who like for example I wrote um a column about catholic uh mother martyrs and I had a few yeah. of my korean mother friends read it as well and give me input so I'm const like ideas that I'm not sure about I'll I'll run by people that mm-hmm. and and get their and get their input on that
0: Yeah yeah and that's a, like there's a community component to this I want to talk about that piece about these, these, I loved, I've never heard that phrase before, mother martyrs. It certainly would apply in a lot of circumstances, but I guess it's just not the first, it's like, oh, well, they died for their faith, but they they did a lot more than just die for their faith. They lived their faith before that death. Tell me how you discovered the story of these women, how it changed you, how it moved you. You spoke very beautifully in the piece about how it it makes you want to be a better mom. Tell us why.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I've just been really drawn to the lives of the Korean saints um, in particular mm-hmm. because, you know, my mother's Korean, um, I'm half Korean, that's my ethnic identity. And so as I would read the stories of the saints, I think I realized the ones that really hit me the most were the mothers, I think, because mm-hmm. as a mother, but also because I was raised by a Korean mother, and she really, she really raised me in the faith. Um, but what really struck me about the the mothers that were martyrs is that Above all, they they believed that Jesus's words were true, that there was eternal mm-hmm. life ahead. And when I think about my, my children, like I will give anything for them, but would I allow them to die for their faith, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel conflict when I read their stories and I feel really deeply convicted that they gave everything to pass on the faith to their children, even if that meant that. They were, they were in, they were, it was a time of great persecution when all these, I mean, they're martyrs mm-hmm. because they're being persecuted. And some of them, there's a story of um, St. You, Cecilia Sosa, and she was shunned when her fought, when her husband was martyred, she was shunned by her in-laws and she experienced like, did they experience starvation, but she wouldn't let go of mm-hmm. her faith. Like she could have easily like let go of her faith and that her children mm-hmm. would have been, had their bellies full. But to her, like no, like she really believed that Jesus's words were true. Mm-hmm. She had two um, two children. I'm trying to think that ended up to be martyrs as well. Her husband and children. She like with she just believed yeah. it with everything. And that and again as a mother who is protective, I want to keep my children safe mm-hmm. and healthy and nourished. It really makes me think about like what do I believe. Like what mm-hmm. does my faith mm-hmm. mean to me? um yeah, for them it was it was everything,
0: yeah that that conflict and conviction is. I mean, that's the name of the game. I feel like when it comes to motherhood, there's this conflict of okay, I want my child to feel included, but I'm convicted that they're not going to have a phone until eighth grade. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm convicted that this is what we're going to do. But oh, okay, there's this conflict, and and they have practice on Sunday morning, and and so I feel like so so often we're navigating those waters in the day to day to hear the stories of someone who navigated that in the extreme of mm-hmm. of of life and death. You're speaking about the the witness of these Korean martyrs. The story of the Korean martyrs, I think, is becoming more well known in part because of the work that you're doing and sharing about them and talking about them and asking people to really take the time to learn their stories. How has your Korean heritage influenced your motherhood? Obviously, I mean, it's everything within your family, mm-hmm. but, but I think you're a certain kind of mom because of your heritage, where you come from and who you're raised by and, and what that community has given to you. So how, how do you think that that has strengthened you? How do you think that that's made you the mom that you are?
1: I, let me, let me stop for a second and think about that. <laughs> I mean, I think I, so much of the way that I raise my mo- raise my kids is like my own mother. And I was mm-hmm. talking to my friend Rosa about this. Like, what does it mean to be a Korean mom? And, sh- and Rosa said, Korean moms are just, they, they don't just dip their toe in. They just like plunge, they like plunge into the water. <laughs> it's all about self-sacrifice, um, for mm-hmm. your kids and but if you talk to most creed moms like me, I was like, oh, like I'm not, I'm not like that. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm not to that mm-hmm. level. Um, but I I it's it's everything for my kids. And I do notice mm-hmm. that in small ways, I just and especially because I'm at home fully with my kids, it means everything mm-hmm. to me to nourish nourish them in their bodies, so with food and in their faith. Um yeah. And and going back to Asian Catholic woman, as we're talking, like, oh yeah, actually a big point for me as well was like, I need my children to see themselves in the church. Like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. like it's like the mama bear. So I I have a strong mama bear in me. <laughs> like, yeah. My children yeah. will have books where they see themselves. My children will see themselves in the church. And so I will give myself unto that work. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's the other things like, you know, for me, comfort food is Korean food. So I cook a lot of Korean food up, up in here and my mm-hmm. kids love it, which I love. And it means a lot to me. Um,
0: yeah. And you mentioned your husband... Is Chinese yes? So how how have you woven in his heritage into the home? Because I think I feel like the mom gets to kind of be the arbiter yeah. of that. Like yeah. we we get to be the one that says this is the tradition, this is what we're doing, this is what's primary for us. Th- those are two worlds, not not clashing by any means, but but coming together in a in a very beautiful way. How have you navigated that? Oh yeah,
1: for me, it took a little while to learn Chinese culture. So it's both East Asian, but it's to me it's really different. Like little things, mm-hmm. like in Korean culture, you'd never pick your bowl up and eat holding your bowl. But in Chinese culture, you pick up your bowl and you eat from there's so little things like that. I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for in our situation, my husband's parents live down this, down this, down the road from us. And oh, wow. especially recently, they came over every day during dinner time. I mean, that's how we have five kids in the Silicon Valley. Like yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you have childcare down the street. <laughs> yes. And starting with, starting with Joey, my father-in-law, who's been retired for about a decade, he literally brings over dinner half the week. Mm-hmm. And he, bring, he has this like, like caring case and he comes and he opens up all the Pyrex containers and it's all these amazing Chinese food. So for my kids, so, so yeah, I'm at home with them. I I bring my Koreanness to our home, but mm-hmm. then we, they see their grandparents all the time. They call them Ama mm-hmm. and Agong. They're from Taiwan and they've been learning Chinese. So we do, mm-hmm. my husband, when they're really young, he's spoken exclusively to them in Mandarin and Wow. our their preschool has been in a Chinese immersion preschool. So yeah. I feel like they've gotten a lot of <laughs> a yeah, lot of like influence they, they, from both sides.
0: Yeah, they know their culture. I love I love that there's that intergenerational component. Mm-hmm. Um I, I, I envy it. I, I have a very good friend who's Filipino and she'll often talk about the fact that like the, the hardest thing for her parents when they immigrated to the States was wait. You see your grandparents like three times a year. Like, like we uh, are going to live with her. Like, mm-hmm. like this makes like when she's married with kids, we're moving into the back. Yeah. Like this, this, we are that integration, which I think we can learn from. I can learn from as a as a Caucasian woman. Like, I can learn from that necessity of that integration, that intergenerational component and quality. You said your kids will be represented. That conviction there, mm-hmm. that I think is unique in your, like you said, your Koreanness and in your motherhood but also from your faith, right? Mm -hmm. Like this wasn't a, they will be represented on TV. They will be represented in music. They will be represented in books. It was the most important thing for our family is going to church. So that's where I want to see them represented most of all. How have you seen it change maybe in the the dynamic of your family life? They know mom is doing this work, but obviously that's going to happen within the home, creating the hallow resources, working with people to ensure that there's art that's out there. What what has it done to the family's faith? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, first of all, I want to pause and, Talk about like, so there's the word representation, which I feel like has become like mm-hmm. a word. But what that right. actually means for me from like for me from a Catholic perspective. So when I first visited our local Korean American Catholic Church, outside was a big statue of Mary as a Korean woman in a hanbok, the Korean dress holding the yeah. little Jesus. And when I saw that, it took my breath away. And Mm -hmm. when I saw it, like Mary, who looked like my mom and who is so familiar to me, like that felt like home. Mm -hmm. When you see yourself in like images like that, or, you know, in this church, there's behind the altar, there's a huge mural of all the Korean saints. When that feels like home, and Mm -hmm. once a place feels like home, you're able to settle in and be present Mm -hmm. to like the mass or a, like a community setting in a way that's very different when you feel uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the really unique thing that our family has been able to experience is like, like the exhale of our community of faith, feeling like home versus Mm -hmm. other situations when you are like the only one, or when you feel like you don't see yourself, there's just a layer of discomfort. And needing to talk a little differently or like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in like cognitively, like there's like some dissonance there. Mm-hmm. And so it's that feeling of like something feeling like mm-hmm. home and familiar and comforting. I can be myself. I can be myself. And mm-hmm. that's so important in your place, in your place of worship.
0: Yeah. And the Catholic yeah. church
1: has been about that
0: <laughs> for mm-hmm. its entire mm-hmm.
1: existence, like Catholic meaning universal. Like this is not a new thing. Like, I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm working on a new thing. It's like, oh, but we're actually, this, this is the roots. The Catholic church is mm-hmm. the universal church. Like, it's always been about the entire body across the globe. So just as I, mm-hmm. I do feel a, a special connection to the Korean saints because I am Korean, but you should too, because yeah. it's your yeah. church. They're, these are mm-hmm. our stories. And we miss out when we are missing mm-hmm. these stories. We get a fuller yeah, picture yeah. of God in the church when everything is there. So for my kids, you know, I have like, I have, um, there's not a lot, but the books that are out there, like Meg Hunter Kilmer's Saints Around the World. Mm-hmm. I remember getting that in the mail and pulling up my girls in my lap and reading and thing to the Korean saints and what that meant for me and them. I would, mm-hmm. I would catch Eliza, my, she was five at the time. When I would catch her reading it, she would always go to those saint stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's her favorites. Yeah. Yeah. And then just see we have different like images around the house just that people have shared with me or that I've gotten myself. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. that they're having a different experience than than I am. I think that mm-hmm. creates a confidence mm-hmm. and a comfort for them that they they can just be in in their church mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. mother. <laughs> from the home perspective i i'm i'm bringing i know like i bring it all like asian catholic women asian catholic mom is like it's up in this house i'm um, uh, yeah. do, doing that here too
0: i think that's beautiful and i i love that about home i mean holy mother church should be a home mm-hmm. and if if especially i think moms who sit in the pews notice okay this is what's missing or this is what's needed or this is and i can be the one to create that i can be the one to step into that i can be the one to point it out and say this should be a priority and, and, and not just for one segment of the population, but for the whole body of Christ to benefit from. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, we could keep going, but my producers are always reminding me we've got to <laughs> keep them nice and tight. Yes. I want to end with the same question that we ask all moms. Um, at, and I, I'm springing this on you. I did not warn you ahead of time. But I think a lot of motherhood is contemplating the legacy that we're building. And, and you're building something for your children. You're building something within the church that is so important. But if we think in the particulars of our house with our kids who call us mom, and they're the only people on earth that do, what do you want your kids to remember about you, about the work that you did, about the home that you built, about the life that you created for them? What do you want your kids to remember about you?
1: I really hope that they remember that I loved Jesus, that mm-hmm. my faith was deeply important to me. And I hope that they will. Live that out to the very end as well.
0: That's a good answer. Yeah, I don't think anybody said that yet. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Like everybody's answers are so different, and I love it. yeah, <laughs> absolutely love it. Sarah, where can we, where can we follow you? Where can we follow the work that you do and uh, and, and all that?
1: Well, a good place is Asian Catholic women woman on Instagram, but also there's a website Asiancatholicwoman.com, which is a nice home base if you're not on Instagram, but there's uh, ways to follow my work there.
0: Awesome. We'll put it all down in the show notes. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank Sarah. you. Bye bye. I think sometimes every mom, every, I'll say it this way: every person, but especially moms, looks at themselves in the mirror and thinks, "I, I can't. I couldn't possibly. I can't possibly. Not me. Nobody wants to hear what I have to say. Nobody wants to read what I have to write. Nobody wants to eat what I've cooked." Nobody wants to listen to the presentation that I'm about to make. We, we swim around in the imposter syndrome a lot. And we think to ourselves, well, I couldn't possibly. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the expertise. I don't have the experience. I don't have the time. And we make a bunch of excuses for ourselves. And sometimes those excuses are valid. But a lot of times we, we make these excuses for ourselves and convince ourselves that we could never. Because we somehow think that our creativity is not enough. And there's something really beautiful about motherhood in the sense that every single time you end up doing something in motherhood that you thought you perhaps could not have done, and then you end up doing it. You kind of look back and think to yourself, how did I ever think that I couldn't? You you surprise yourself. You realize you might not have what it takes, but the Lord fills in the gaps for you. You learn as you go. You figure out what needs to be done. It's a process. It's a process that is incredibly life giving. It's a process that can be incredibly uh, gifted. Uh, Let me scratch that. Don't say that. Um, Take that part out, Justin. It's a process that can be incredibly life giving for others. That you can can be the one who gives out of your creativity what somebody else maybe didn't even realize they needed. What Sarah saw was a lack of representation. What Sarah saw was a hole. What Sarah saw was this is something that I could be the one to help fix. And a lot of times moms are the ones who perceive that. Moms are the ones who see that. Moms are the ones who respond to that. Moms are the ones who jump in and say, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Sometimes without all the time in the world that we would need to do it. Sometimes having to kind of learn as we go, but ultimately recognizing that I can serve I can I can do, I can creatively respond, and my creativity flourishes because of the motherhood that I've been living to where my my creativity has had to flourish many, many times already. essentially, I've learned this skill in motherhood and so therefore I can implement it in these other ways that oftentimes are a great gift to others. Sarah has amazing insights and resources. you can check it all out at Asian Catholic Woman. She's got some great stuff on Instagram, great stuff on her website, amazing stuff on her podcast, her voice is on the Hallow app, some amazing things available to you to help you see not only what she has created, but to help you even tap into that great gift of creativity that she's given to us and, and perhaps even that creativity that you want to explore in your own life. We have a handful of episodes coming about this creativity, about creating, about stepping into spaces where the conversation wasn't being had. And so a mom is the one who started it about making things that women believed needed to exist. And so they stepped out in faith and, and did it and created it and, and was were able to respond in profound and important ways. We hope that you stick around for a whole lot more of this little podcast of ours. We're exploring all of that and more, really tapping into what it means to live life like a mother. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.